this is why we are here. And it was spoken hundreds of years before Jesus. Let's hear Isaiah speak of Jesus from Isaiah 53, verses 1 through 6. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces. He was despised and was we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. And we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Crushed for our in the 
of Jesus. Jesus, the Messiah, the prized Son of God, the Ancient of Days, was born in Bethlehem. Mary was his mother, and he considered Joseph his adopted dad. He grew up in Nazareth. He started his public ministry in Cana of Galilee when he was about 30. He spent three years showing revolutionary love towards other people. During those three years, he performed miracles for all to see. Many were healed, many were fed, many demons fled from him. Even weather systems were commanded to stop. These confirmed they could only be performed by the Son of God. Jesus wasn't just a miracle performer, he was also a teacher. Those closest to him called him Rabboni, out of affection for their teacher. He wanted to make sure people knew him well and always gave people many opportunities to ask questions. He never met a stranger. After three years of ministry, Jesus was betrayed. He was deserted by those who loved him the most. He was arrested by those who understood him the least. He was beaten and whipped to the point of being unrecognizable. At every opportunity to release him, the people yelled, Crucify him! The mob even chose to release a murderer rather than the Prince of Peace. At 9 a.m. on Friday, Jesus was stripped naked and large nails were driven through his feet into a beam of wood. Large nails were then driven through his hands into a crossbeam of wood. Starting at 9 a.m., Jesus was raised up in pain and humiliation, and the process of crucifixion worked its hideous design. Breathing was only possible by standing up on the nails in his feet. Every breath was pure agony. For six hours, Jesus endured the, the horror of crucifixion. At 3 p.m., he cried out, It is finished. And indeed, it was finished. Jesus died. The earth shook.
I'd like to draw our attention once again to Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. Verse 4. You can take that to the bank. You can be fully assured that he... Jesus bore our grief to the tree that he was nailed to. He bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. Your sorrows are not a mystery to Jesus. Your sorrows aren't foreign to him. He is intimate, intimately familiar with each one of your sorrows, each one of my sorrows, because he bore them to the tree. He bore our sorrows to the tree. This has been prophesied. These words were written 700 years before Jesus. Before Jesus showed up, these words were written down. This entire chapter was written 700 years before the events of this day that were observing. He is prophesied in this verse even to be known in verse 3 as the man of sorrows. No one had any idea that all of this was going to happen on this day. There wasn't anybody on the ground who had any idea that this was happening on this day. The connections of the events of today to this chapter will only be seen later. No one knew our griefs, our sorrows were being carried by him, but he knew. He knew what he was doing on this day, yet we simply esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, afflicted on this day. Verse 5, but he was pierced for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. In Genesis 3, so long ago, the father of lies deceived Adam and Eve into the first sins against God. Sin would flow through the bloodstream of humanity ever since. A chasm formed between a pursuing God and an all too often fleeing humanity wanting to be left alone in our sins instead of being set free by him and restored in our relationship to him. Even in Genesis 3, however, a seed of hope is planted. We would have never imagined how much the cost would be for that seed of hope to become a reality. It would take the blood of Jesus for the sin of hope, reversing the effects of Genesis 3 to grow. He was pierced for our transgressions. Your sin, your rebellion, your evil thoughts, your coveting eyes, your secret sins, 
he was publicly pierced for our transgressions. The all-powerful one was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. Earth's most brutal moment of war against God brought peace to us. If we could see the countless wounds across his body in this moment, we would only think of destruction. We would only see destruction, panic as blood flowed out from his wounds. We would observe a barbaric moment. The prophecy of this verse, though, instructs us how to view, how to process what our ears are hearing, what our mind is thinking, what our eyes are seeing, and that is that with his wounds, we find our healing. With his wounds, we are healed. Verse 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. If any of us think that Jesus died for some people, but not for them, if maybe is anyone who, who maybe doesn't even view yourself as a sinner, or maybe simply viewing yourself that your, your good works are outweighing your bad works, and that maybe only the really bad, terrible people are the ones who need this type of a sacrifice on their behalf. The prophecy of verse 6 should be seen as a shot across your bow, a warning shot across your bow, showing that, you're, that your thoughts are, are wrong, that, that you're not viewing yourself accurately, you're not viewing God accurately, which can be offensive, but it can also be a grateful moment of clarity where the way things truly are is shown to us and we can respond. Everyone, not some, everyone, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned, everyone, no exceptions, everyone to his own way. Every one of us turned from God's way to our way, thinking that we knew best how to live our lives. We knew best the direction for our lives, thinking that we can make it on our own. All of us have gone astray. The Lord had every right to lay our iniquity on us. That's called justice. You get what you deserve. Our iniquity should have been laid on us. Instead, the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. In this one act of love, the world obtained one Savior. There would not be multiple ways to heaven. There would not be multiple ways God the Father accepts people. There would be one payment sufficient for all time, all people in all places. By his wounds we are healed, and um, by his wounds are you healed? By his wounds are you healed? Are you rejecting this, or are you seeing 
the magnitude of the purchase of, of what it cost for your sin to be driven away as far as the east is from the west, Scripture tells us. And it's through his wounds that we are healed. And uh, it would be entirely appropriate tonight for all of us to acknowledge, by his wounds I am healed. I accept that. I receive that. I receive that type of love. I don't want his death to be in vain as it relates to my life. In the 1600s, a guy named Samuel Rutherford was pondering the realities of this day, and uh, he captured the love in this death by saying, Oh, what love! Christ would not entrust our redemption to angels, to millions of angels, but he would come himself and in person suffer. He would not give a low and a base price for us clay. He would buy us with a great ransom, so as he might overbuy us, and none could ever overbid him in his market for souls. If there had been millions of more believers and many heavens without any new bargain, his blood should have bought them all. And all these many heavens should have smelled one rose of life. Christ should have been one in the same tree of life in them all. Oh, we underbid and undervalue that prince of love who did overvalue us. We will not sell all that we have to buy him. He sold all he had and himself too to buy us. Thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. You are truly worthy of our worship. As one man brought 
There's no 